Hey guys, thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope this week's message inspires you and encourages you. Feel free to check out our website for more information. Here's today's message. Now, you know what? Oftentimes, we have some pretty straightforward tasks to do, don't we? Like, here is a straightforward job. Load the dishwasher. Well, I think that's straightforward. Anyone else? It's, it's parents who yelled out, yes, that's straightforward, Jeff. Um, and, and so, by the way, does our friend Lydia Faltus, who's not here with us this morning, but Lydia thinks it is too, because earlier this year, Lydia and her husband, David, who I believe is here. David, are you here somewhere? Where? He was here earlier. Oh, he's gone. Okay, David was here. <laughs> they know this is getting spoken about. Daniel, you, I think Daniel, their son, up the back. Lydia and her husband, David, could no longer hold in their confusion. Not just that it seems straightforward to load a dishwasher, but that we don't ordinarily squash dirty dishes into a dishwasher that's full of clean dishes. Do we? So Lydia posted this on Facebook. My husband has ordered this sign online hoping for a solution. And then she mentions her two sons, Dan and Timmy. And then David, her husband, down the bottom says, no excuses. All right? So you want to see what the sign is, don't you? Look at the next slide. This shows you what the sign is. It shows you, I mean, because they're after a solution. And so they have a sign on the dishwasher, and you can slip it from side to side. One side says, this is clean. Wow, wow, wow. Don't put dirty dishes in there. All right? The other side says, this is dirty. So put your dirty dishes in there. All right. Now, there was a little bit of activity on the, on the social airwaves when Lydia, um, when Lydia posted this. So Andrea Metcalf, who I don't know, she said, yes, we have one as well. It cuts one of the excuses. Straightforward task, remember? And then Lydia replies, Andrea, you have given me hope. We will see what is the next excuse. And Andrea says, well, Lydia, the next excuse is, they'll say, I wasn't sure if the sign was correct and I couldn't tell when I had a look. I hope it works for you. And, and Lydia says, Andrea, true. All the other excuses, I don't know how to read English. <laughs> there was a married couple who, who both weighed in um, <laughs> and their names were Jeff and Deb Shepherd. They both weighed into this. Jeff Shepherd said, <laughs> we might get one of those too. Lydia, Jeff, maybe wait till we see if it will work or not. In other words, don't, don't waste your money because it might not work. Um, Jeff, Lydia, some would say, don't get your hopes up. Lydia, Jeff, we believe in miracles. <laughs> and Deb Shepherd, meantime, because Deb and I weren't together at the time, uh, let us know if it works. <laughs> it sounds a little sarcastic, doesn't it? Um, Lydia, Deb, sure I will, but don't waste your money on it yet. Just give me another year until we see the result. Deb Shepard, Lydia Feltus, I'd have to say my confidence is not high. If they can't recognise dirty dishes, I doubt they can read. <laughs> and then Lydia says, Deb, I forgot about that. It is very complicated. 
And then when I called Lydia this week to say, would you mind if I um, plastered your family all over social media to, uh, when we speak on Sunday? She said, she said, yeah, that's fine. She said, that'll be fine, but don't tell Daniel that we're going to do it. <laughs> and Lydia told me that she wouldn't be here this morning. She said, Jeff, can you tell me what Daniel's reaction is? And then we got to the end and we talked about some other stuff. And I said, hey, thanks, Lydia. And she goes, oh, uh, 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 Jeff, it didn't change anything. <laughs> and then every so often, because that's a really straightforward issue, hey, every so often, think about this, friends. Every so often, you, you actually get a major challenge. Like, remember, the, it was the great Tohoku, Tohoku earthquake and tsunami in Japan in 2011. And look at, look at some of the damage that, that happened after that. This tsunami that's just wreaked havoc. Now, you think about this though, friends. The objective, what we want to do now in Japan is extremely simple. Isn't it? Like it's as straightforward as can be. And yet, even though it's straightforward, it's massively profound. It is costly, it's complicated, it's labor intensive, it's an overwhelmingly challenging task, isn't it? And that's something like, here, come alive, as per this, this, this beautiful setting behind me, come alive. Something like the task of us Jesus people here on planet earth. Simple, straightforward objective. <laughs> Spelled out, it goes right through the pages of your Bible from start to finish. It's there early in Genesis all the way through to the end book of Revelation. And it's got, it got, it's got words like this. And this is uttered by the prophet Isaiah. This is 700 or so years before Jesus comes to earth. And Isaiah explains 700 years in advance what Jesus' role will be. Look at this. You are an important servant to me. In other words, you, Jesus, are an important servant to me, God. To do what? To bring back the tribes of Jacob, to bring back the people of Israel, Israel who are left alive. But more importantly, I will make you a light for all nations to show people all over the world the way to be saved. All nations. Wow, that's, that's big. Look at this. I, I, I bet most people here have heard at least part of this verse because we love it. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I'm God. That is reassuring, eh? Be still and know that I'm God. But it doesn't stop there. It says then, I will be honored by every nation. I will be honoured throughout the world. That's what God says. Every nation, like throughout the world. Do you know the world now, we have around about 7.9 billion people. We'll crack the 8 billion mark soon. Within the 7.9 billion people, there are 7,000 plus, we have in the world what we call people groups. There are more than 7,000 people groups in the world and that means that there are more than 3 billion people, 
more than three billion people in the world who are in what we call the unreached people of the world. That means it's more than 40% of the world's population. You getting that? So typically speaking, if we say more than 40%, look around here this morning, if we took everyone that's sitting in this, in this center area, that's probably around about 40% of the people who are in this auditorium today. Just slightly more than the other, other ones. More than 40% of the world's population, unreached people. Do you know what that actually means in practice, friends? It means that they, they, they definitely do not have a Bible in their language. It actually means that they've never, ever heard the name of Jesus. Never. And no one in their people group has. No one in their area has. No one in their dialect has. And you know what? They never, ever will hear the name of Jesus. They will live and die without ever hearing the name of Jesus unless something changes. So we say it even a bit more simply, don't we? The simple, straightforward task, and you heard what we're talking about this morning, come alive. The simple task is this, you follow Jesus, bear fruit. Bear fruit. Fruit, so when we say bear fruit, that's an analogy, isn't it, for something that grows and expands. Look at this. This is Jesus. These are his last recorded words on planet Earth. He had nothing more to say after this. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of, here it is again, all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this while you're doing that. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So friends, I would have thought, maybe not so similar to the dishwasher because that's really straightforward, but similar to Japan. Simple, straightforward task. It's costly, it's complicated, it's challenging. But the objective, you want to write this down, is reaching the nations. That's the objective. And it really is the nations. Um, typically speaking, that will be the Greek word in the ancient Greek that it's written in, ethnos. And that literally means an ethnic group. So when, when, it, when we talk about all the nations, it means every ethnic group, every people group. So, and it's also the nations. It's not just our community. It is our community, but it's not just our community. It's reaching the nations with the good news of Jesus. Now, we might have forgotten. We might have gotten way later. We might have diluted it or ignored it. And we could even have disobeyed it or walked away from it. But the fact is that the objective for all of God's people and for the community of God's people as a church is simple and it's straightforward. It's bare fruit. It's that we need to help him in reaching all the nations. 
every ethnic group on the face of the earth with the good news of Jesus. Got that? So let's have a look at God's Word. We're going to look at a, um, just at a, a little story that happens. And at first glance, this story is a bit confusing. And it's one of those that it's not altogether obvious what it means. So we'll, we'll try and learn a bit from it this morning because it's always good to learn from God's Word. But especially about how we're going to bear fruit, all right? And so towards the end, then, we'll, we'll, we'll try and give some really practical points and practical ways in how we can bear fruit. Okay, so look at this. You've got your Bible. Um, because by the way, we want to keep our eye on the main thing. All right, the main thing, the main reason we're here for. If you've got your Bible, look up Mark chapter 11. Give me verses 12 to 25, all right? And here's what you're going to see. Don't worry too much about this. Like, this is not the big deal of what we're talking about today. But I just thought, so you know what happens here because we've got some verses. The first one, it's like a sandwich. It's like in between, you know. Uh, first one, the cursing of the fig tree. And some of you might know the story of Jesus, you know, cursing the fig tree. Then straight after that, Jesus goes into Jerusalem and there's the cleansing of the temple. You know, when he kicks everyone out of the temple. All right. And then the sandwich part number two is the next day. Um, and that's the cursing of the fig tree all over again. All right, so we're going to see that. And then you've got Jesus telling some things on the end of that. So it's sandwich one, cleansing of the temple, sandwich two. Then he tells some things about how how he can bear fruit. All right? So let's have a look at it. Um, And this is is really, really important, friends. All right? So at the start of Come Alive, if you're sitting here today, um, give yourself a pat on the back, shrug your shoulders, and realize that it's not just... It's not just what Jeff thought he'd talk about this morning. This is the language of God. Look at this in Mark chapter 11. It says there, you know, in verse 13, but there were only leaves. In other words, there were no figs. It's a fig tree. If there's only leaves on the tree, there's no figs, all right? And, and in case you thought this story was Jesus gets angry with the tree because it's not bearing fruit. Well, look at this. There were only leaves on the tree because it was too early in the season for fruit. No fig tree's got fruit on it at this time of year. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. It's one of the most common fruit trees in Israel, this. Its leaves actually sprout in late March. Normally then, it actually yields two different harvests of figs, and then the leaves drop off around mid-October. It's got leaves, this tree. It's got no figs. And Mark tells us why that is, because it's too early in the season for fruit. What's with that? This is the confusing part. Like Jesus talks to a tree. I, I read that for years and think, well, what, like, why do you curse a tree? You might have to read into it a bit, but, but look, like, can you find anywhere there, can anyone find a word that tells us that Jesus is angry or brash? Like, I can't. You see, Mark, who's writing this, he's, he goes to pains to tell us that it's actually too early for fruit. So for Jesus, this is not about a, a tree that should have had fruit but didn't. 
It's actually, we can call this from the Bible, it's actually a parabolic act. Now, you know what a parable is? That's when Jesus would tell stories and it's a meaningful story with usually one main meaning. Well, this is a parable-like action, a parable-like story. And what he does with this fig tree explains then the meaning because he goes in the temple and he cleanses it. We'll look at that in a sec. And remember that the cleansing of the temple is sandwiched in between the two parts of this parabolic event. Hey, this is fascinating. So look at this in verse 15. So then they go into Jerusalem. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the merchants and their customers. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the stalls of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from bringing in merchandise. And he taught them, the scriptures, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. Now, I wanted to show you the temple. Oh, here we go. And point it out. Everyone knows I love my pointer. What's well, no? Nah, it's not working. It's that part's supposed. To, oh, I did shine in my eye this morning. I'm shattered with that. It's not. It won't. The top won't come off. We better stop distracting you, hadn't we? I'm going to use this. Can you just sit, look at the temple? Oh, how can I possibly? Oh. There it is. Crying out loud. I've got to stop getting distracted. Um, I'm going back to that place in Manila in the Philippines and taking this back. Righto. Huh? But I can't. Like, oh, I'll try. Okay. See this area here? Up here. That area there, all right? Where, like, where that little thing's pointing to, that area there. And it goes round. Stop laughing at me. Um, that's the court of the Gentiles, right? So that's the temple complex in Jerusalem. Do you know that, that occupies about 386 acres, what you see there? And that's the court of the Gentile. Jong in, you legend. Hey, God bless you. How do, hey, how do, you, how do you work it? Point there. Oh. Yay. All is well now, all is well. Hey, Jong-in, I'm going to buy you a special present this afternoon, Jong-in. All right, so this is the court of the Gentiles around here, all right? And that's where Jesus goes into. That's where the people are. This is the inner part of the temple. That's Herod's temple there, all right? Jesus goes in there, and there's all sorts of things happening. Now, the offering of sacrifices for sale is actually really important to temple worship. Um, people needed to be able to offer under the Mosaic law and the Jewish, the Jewish religion, they had to be able to offer blemish-free sacrifices. And so what happened was people used to be in there and they would sell them, all right? They'd be pigeons or doves, 
and they were seen as the sacrifice of the poor. Um, and then they had a temple tax that people used to have to pay as well. It's collected once a year from every Jewish male who's 20 years old or older. And it's half a shekel per man. All right? So there's all these, uh, but it had to be collected in the Tyrian half shekel currency. That's why there are money changes in there. So there's money changes in the temple and there's people selling these pigeons and these doves but it's all for profit, see? So it's like they're doing that, and it's like this has become the big business of the temple. Now, we know if we read Jesus that he, like, he wasn't opposed to that sacrificial system. So he didn't just evict the sellers either. He evicted the buyers too. And we know like the money changing, that's normal for the temple tax. You see, Jesus was not there attacking the sacrifices, or the money changing, or the taxes. This was not what the temple, this was not what the court of the Gentiles was there for. That's what Jesus was upset about. And as he's driving them out, he's saying the scriptures declare. And then he quotes from Isaiah chapter 56. He says, my temple will be called a place of prayer for all nations. And remember that fruit, don't you? Won't you? Bear fruit. Bear fruit. Strimp, simple, straightforward objective. Overwhelmingly challenging and costly and complicated task. And it's labor intensive. And then he uses Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 11 as a statement. So first part, my temple will be called a place of prayer for all nations. That's from Isaiah, the prophet. Then from similar time of prophet, Jeremiah, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Huh. So here's what's happening. There's all this activity going on in the temple. And on face value, looks pretty normal, but Jesus doesn't like it. And then it's the next morning then after this, and this is only just a few days before Jesus dies. That's when Jesus with his friends comes by that same fig tree that he had cursed the day before. And the disciples look at it and think, hey, that's the tree that Jesus cursed. Look at it, it's withered. <laughs> it's dead. In 24 hours, that, that tree's dead from the roots up. It's Peter who points it out to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, look. <laughs> that, that fig tree you cursed it yesterday morning, look at it, it's withered and it's dead. Hey. And then Jesus says to his disciples, have faith in God. And here's that little bit of teaching that's good for us to understand. How can we bear fruit? Here we go. He makes a statement. This is the first one, number one. And what he means by this is belief. Right? I tell you the truth, he says, you... You, Jesus follower, no matter who you are or how insignificant you think you are, you, Jesus follower, can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. And then statement number two, he says, pray. So believe, pray. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. And then statement number three, while you're believing, while you're praying, make sure you forgive 
as well. But when you are praying, he says, first, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now, we'll have a look at those verses in detail another time. For now, though, suffice to say, Jesus is telling his friends, you got it? Have faith in God. You want to bear fruit? Have faith in God. Believe, pray. Believe, pray, and forgive. Friends, what happens is fruitful lives flow from wholehearted devotion to Jesus. In just the same way as a fruit tree grows fruit, a life with wholehearted devotion to Jesus bears fruit. Simple, straightforward objective. Hey, come back with me to the fig tree for a sec. Um, you know what? Actually, Gracie, up the back, you're doing the PowerPoint for us. Let's skip that part. I'm gonna, I want to skip that little, that, that next little part. We won't worry about that. Um, we'll just, we'll press through for the sake of time. Hey, fruitful lives do flow from wholehearted devotion to Jesus. Um, big reminder for Mark's readers. Big reminder for the disciples, big reminder for the religious leaders, and it is for us too, because, because like us, if you're anything like me, periodically we need those reminders, because if we don't get them, we forget, and we wander, and we dilute, and we rationalize, and we justify. So it's a jolting and confronting reminder, isn't it? Bear fruit. So look back to the church's really simple, straightforward objective, which is an overwhelmingly Challenging and costly and complicated and labor-intensive task. Um, just stop there for a moment and you think with me about more than 3 billion people, more than 7,000 unreached people groups, all right? If every church sits around like us, um, a few hundred people on Sunday morning, and if we all say... That's terrible. I really hope God sends people to get them. But none of us go. Like, I mean, go. If every church does that, no one will go. You don't reach 7,000 plus unreached people groups unless a whole lot of people go. It's worth thinking about, isn't it? How could we bear fruit? Here's a few little tips. First of all, let's not. Friends, as people, and here uh, in this church and in our life groups as we go through Come Alive here, let's not be spiritually barren, a bit like that tree. Let's not be spiritually barren. No way. Here, um, let's, let's not be a busy church with lots of religious activity, lots of great people, lots of programs, even an awesome international expo. But we haven't kept our eyes on the main thing. Eh? The main thing, my friends, is for us 
to be a key part of getting the good news of Jesus to every nation on the earth, not just to our community. Every nation on earth for you and me in our lives to be bearing fruit. Evidence that is, fruit, evidence that is that we really are following Jesus. That's the main thing. Let's not be spiritually barren, you know? So busy, 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 running programs, having activities, starting up new programs. Let's do what counts. Now, take a look at this. Um, I'll point this way now, John, and I don't want to point this in your eye by accident, all right? So I'll point this way instead. Take a look at this. So we, what we do is we've got a, a tool that we use here in the church called Natural Church Development. Um, you're probably a little bit familiar with it. Every couple of years we survey the church. We're just about to do another one now. All right, we get a cross, you know, cross section of people in the church to tell us. And so here, see, there we go, there we go. So see, let me just get this right. So see this red line here? That, that is April 2011, Mill Park Baptist Church. All right, now don't get confused. See the blue line up there. All right, the blue line, that is June 2013. All right, and then now look at the purple line. All right, that's June 2015. And now the green line, August 2018. There was a time before, we've done a whole lot of these, so even before that, Esther Cathy's here this morning. Welcome back from the Gold Coast, Esther, and Nicola. Here's Nicola. Hey, good. Sound like they're happy to have you back, guys. It took them a little while to think of that. But they, I think, generally speaking, they're happy to have you back. Welcome, you guys. Um, there was a time a few years ago, where's Esther? you remember this, won't you? Where's Esther? You, she'll know, you will know exactly what I'm going to say, won't you? <laughs> One time Esther came to see me in the office and, um, and there must, I don't know, there must have been no one out in the reception or something because Esther just like she knocked on the door and then she just came in. And I had just opened up the email with our results from the, from the survey that we were getting. Um, and this is before these. Um, and they weren't so good. Like we hadn't, we hadn't done nearly as well as I thought we were going to, we were going to do in it. <laughs> and Esther, I think, did you think I was like having a heart attack on the spot or something? Like, like I thought I was going to collapse. And there's Esther, bright, cheery, hi. You know, and I, I just about, oh man, it nearly killed me. But if we just go back to this, look at look at the figures here because these show us the last four that we'd done before that. See this question now. I know you're not going to be able to read it clearly. This is as clear as I could get it. But here's the question that people are asking. I'll read it to you. What it says is, I pray for my friends, colleagues, and relatives who do not yet know Jesus Christ, that they will come to faith. Do you see that? Look at this. Um, In the first couple of years that we did that survey, that was our lowest scoring question on the whole survey. There's 166 questions. And that's good because people are really honest. Like, I really appreciate that and respect that. But it's just telling us something because I'm looking at that simple, straightforward objective to pray for my friends, my neighbours and my colleagues who don't yet know Jesus and just ask Jesus that they'd come to know Him. Like, like, damn sorry to do this to me. But like, that's more straightforward than loading a dishwasher, isn't it? 
Look at that. And, and then, then, and then, see there's this other little, um, little, little question over here as well. And this is what was good. See in that one. See we'd grown in that one. Look at this one that we grew 21 points in. Look at that. Look at that. Here's this question. I try to deepen my relationships with people who do not yet know Jesus Christ. Let's not be spiritually barren, friends. Like these things aren't aren't hard. It's not rocket science. All right, um, and then look at this. Fruitful lives do flow from a wholehearted devotion to Jesus. Next thing is let's not leave it to someone else. Hey, let's not leave it to someone else. Now, I just want to urge you, I just want to urge you, don't leave the mission to someone else. Don't, don't leave mission in your community to someone else and don't leave cross-cultural foreign mission to other people too. And don't leave bearing fruit in your office this week and in your family and in your part-time job and in the classroom and at uni. Don't leave the bearing fruit there to someone else. And what about the, the praying for all the nations and praying for the people? Let's not leave that to someone else. There's not a person sitting here this morning who's not 100% capable of doing all of those things. Hey, you know what? Here's another one, really direct challenge, especially now as we come out of COVID and we get our mission trips being able to happen again. I wanna give you a direct challenge here. Let's not leave the short-term mission exposure trips to someone else. Let's all get on a mission exposure trip. Everyone. Let's have it so that next time we've got a trip to, the, to, to go, get over to Kids International in the Philippines, we're like, we've got, a, we've got a extra plans or something because we've got too many people wanting to go. Yeah. All right. Um, let's not make excuses, the third one. We can all make excuses. I can. I, 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 we can. Um, most of us can make them sound really, really good and sophisticated and justifiable. Let's not make them. Friends, these busy, active, religious people right there in the court of the Gentiles, they can explain it all. And it sounded good. Let's not do that. Let's not make excuses. Um, fruitful lives, they flow from wholehearted devotion to Jesus. And let's adjust whatever we have to adjust in our individual lives, in our families, in our church, wherever it is, let's adjust whatever we have to adjust. Um, let's like, so here in a church, you know, like, because sometimes people get a bit confused with this. Let's stop programs if we need to. Let's like, let's tell ourselves hard in your face truths. And it's all so we can keep our eye on the main thing. And we do that in our own lives too. Our families, our homes, here in our church. God is giving us the reminder here, and it's coming for two months, friends. April, May, come alive. Let's listen to what He says. Remember that when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's always good. It's never belting you around the head. It's devising ways to bring you back when you've been separated. It is full of love, 100% full of love. Let's listen to what he says 
and then make any necessary adjustments that we have to make. Fruitful lives, they flow from wholehearted devotion to Jesus. And then the final one, let's pray. Let's pray. Friends, let's pray. Now, here, really practically, when you came in, there's some of these books on, on seats. I want to explain really quickly what they are. Now, there are not enough for everyone, okay? And I'm sorry about that. We could only get 100 of these. And the National Director of OM Australia, Neil Cummings, drove here personally to give these to me the other day. <laughs> what a, he's, Neil Cummings, I'll talk about him another time. He's one of the most beautiful men I know. Just a treasure that guy anyway so he drives over and he gives these to me and I, we got we could only get 100 copies all right so they're not enough copies for everyone um friends like i don't does this sound kind enough to say this like i don't want you to take one of these books home if you're just taking it home because you're being polite okay there are not enough to go around for everyone here really only want you to take it once i tell you what it is and if you then want to take it and use it if not please leave it on the seat and someone else will grab it. And then we've got our Arabic and our Korean services as well that we can, we can hand them out for there. All right? You got me on that? And I won't be offended if you don't take it. No one will. But please don't, please don't waste them. Don't take them home and waste them. All right. 30 days of prayer for the Muslim world. We know that Ramadan, the Muslim festival, started yesterday. Okay? And it goes for one month. And what, what, that, that's a time when Muslims, right over the, like over the face of the earth, they fast between sunup and sundown. All right, and it's a, it, it, it's their it's their most intense time of spiritual activity in their calendar, and it's very very important to like like to, to see the way that Muslims do this is amazing. I have a really good friend who is a devout Muslim, and you probably know him as well. Basha Huli plays or played for Richmond Football Club, and Basha, devout as he is, would do Ramadan even while he's playing professional football. Even while he's playing professional, imagine that, like playing professional football on an empty stomach. Like, Muslims know how to do their stuff. And this is, this is a guide and it goes through and it just helps us to know how we can pray specifically for our Muslim friends and neighbours and brothers and sisters over the next month. All right, this is just one way we can do this. Let's pray. And I love the way the early church is described. It's in Acts chapter 1. It just says they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. So friends, this is what counts. Fruitful lives flow from wholehearted devotion to Jesus. To join with me, we'll pray now. And um, thank you for listening. As we've spoken this morning, I love you guys and I really really do appreciate you just sitting and listening Jesus thank you thank you Jesus for your mission to earth and you described it yourself you said I, I, I didn't come here to be served I came to serve and you said the son of man came to seek and to save the lost it's all about mission for you every single part of it and thank you Lord for those beautiful words from 2nd Samuel that that we've heard this morning too where, where, where God like we all die and our lives are like water that just gets spilled out in the ground and it can't be collected again but that's why God spends his time devising ways to bring us back to him when we've been separated from him 
the love of God. Love of God greater far than we could ever tell. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for speaking with us this morning. Please just bring your change in each of our lives as we need it. And I pray now for your spirit, just as we worship together and we'll be invited to, um, to respond if we want to, to have someone pray with us. Um, I just pray that your spirit would work and would you, would you break down walls and barriers that would stop us from doing that. And just uh, give us this, this genuine hearted, authentic response to the spirit of God. Please.